A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host. Thank you so very, very much for joining us. If this is your first listen, welcome. I hope you will enjoy the show. And if you are a return listener, thank you so very much for coming back. I really, really value you and the fact that you keep listening. Tonight is our second episode in a series of episodes about critical race theory and how it affects teachers, the way we teach, and our students and our classrooms. I have Kelsey Savard-Mithu with me. She is a middle and high school U.S. history teacher in Florida. She has a bachelor's degree in educational studies and is currently working on an M.A. in American history. Kelsey spent the first six years of her career in elementary teaching, first grade, for five of the six years. She has a background in foundational reading instruction and a reading endorsement from the state of Florida. In 2020, both the pandemic and the aftermath of George Floyd pushed her to pursue a career in teaching history. She now works for an online charter school where she teaches early U.S. history to 7th and 8th grade students and modern U.S. history to 11th and 12th grade students. Kelsey is a mom of two, a five-year-old daughter and three-year-old son, and has been married to her husband, Stephen, for nine years. Kelsey, welcome, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk about what I feel is a really important su- subject in our, our careers. Yes, thank you so much, Sherilyn, for having me. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dig deep into the really super serious stuff. Okay, so I started out college not really knowing what I wanted to do and just kind of shuffled my way through and then eventually found my way to teaching. Um, And I was super scared of high schoolers at first. So I stuck with elementary and I did that for six years. Um, And I really developed a passion for number one students, but also reading instruction. And so I um, got my reading endorsement from Florida. I had a lot of training in reading, but like in my bio, I, um, after both the pandemic and the aftermath of George, George Floyd. So my husband is not white. So after the, after the George Floyd incident in the upper of Black Lives Matter, I started sharing on social media and, um, So I started putting a lot of content out related to Black Lives Matter and my support of the movement. And I got a lot of backlash from my elementary school. So my principal called me in and was like, this, you know, think about your reputation is essentially kind of the conversation that I had. Um, Because we we live in a small town and it was, you know, parents are going to see this or um, people in our community are going to see this. And so, um, it really made me question if I wanted to continue teaching, um, in the support that I would have in that school. And so, um, in, instead of sticking with it, I decided to just kind of pivot and maybe go towards it. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but go towards it, kind of lean in. And so, um, I, that summer, um, Florida kind of makes it easy to get uh, certified in anything you want to teach if you can pass the test. But I had a background in history. And so I took my history certification and I got hired at our local high school teaching U.S. history. So I did teach at our local high school for um, two years. And I recently transitioned to teaching online 
so that I could have some more flexibility with my son. My three-year-old is autistic. And so I am now a mom navigating the ESC process and making sure that my son has all of the therapies and all of the things that he needs. And then also getting ready to have a daughter in kindergarten. So that is just a little bit about me. I am currently working on my master's degree in U.S. history. I started teaching U.S. history and just fell in love with the subject matter and um, the ability in high school to, to push students to really grapple with tough things and they can do it so well and they can have such amazing conversations that I don't think adults even can do in that environment um and so I now teach online so Kelsey you have a lot of stuff going on you yes have obviously been thinking a lot about your family both from a, a perspective for your children's health with your son, but also from a mental health perspective and uh, for your children and your husband and yourself, um, you learned something really interesting, I think, from your elementary school and the way they handled your social media posts, because number one, your social media is yours. And number two, posting something to social media about Black Lives Matter or talking about George Floyd, you you want it to be public. That is, there is no damage to your reputation because what you're trying to do is create awareness for the community around you for something that affected you and your family really deeply. So Florida has our key laws. And before we move on in our conversation about CRT, I'd like to continue to define for our audience what it is, because we hear this acronym. Some people might not even know what it means. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the screaming heads at school board meetings don't even know what they're talking about when they say CRT. They might they definitely don't know the definition, but I, they might not even know the acronym. Uh, and then we can talk a little bit about what's going on in Florida. So CRT stands for critical race theory. I'm sure most of my audience members know that. And basically it's an academic concept. It's not something that we learn in teaching school. When I went to teaching school, I just finished my master's in American history in 2020. And when I went to teacher's college, uh, I did not learn CRT. It's a an academic concept. And basically what it means is that race is a social construct. So race is something that society created and that racism isn't just from individuals. So individual racists exist, but that's not the only place where you find bias or prejudice. It's also something that you find in legal systems and in policies. So CRT is really digging into what parts of our society are racial ideas and racism and prejudice rooted in, and how do we see them today? So uh, one really good way of thinking about it is thinking about redlining and laws that kept Black families out of certain neighborhoods. So that is, that's an example of studying something that has to do with critical race theory because it is a legal policy that continues to affect Black families and white families because white families were not able to live near Black families and continue to affect the way property is bought and sold today, even though it's not officially on the books. So in Florida, 
not only are there laws against teaching what they call critical race theory, which basically their law tells us the same thing as what we heard in the Oklahoma law that you basically can't teach about race at all, which is teaching about race is not the same thing as teaching about critical race theory. Race is a very important part of American history. It is unavoidable when you talk about what happened, particularly in our courses that we teach, because Kelsey teaches early American history, very similarly to me. Uh, But throughout all of American history, race has a very important, plays a very important role. But now a new bill in Florida that is up for, um, up for, up for debate because it passed the Senate committee on education on January 18th is that public schools and private businesses are banned from making people feel discomfort when being taught about racial discrimination in the U.S. So all of this is really touchy and it's a really slippery slope. So Kelsey, what is your experience with any of this? So I came into history education in 2020 when the world was already contentious and history was already such a contentious subject and being challenged in so many ways. And so because of that, I had to really come in with making sure that I had my background knowledge solid and making sure that I was supporting everything I did with standards and primary sources, which obviously teachers already do, but in a way that I knew that I knew both my primary sources and my standards very, very deeply so that if I was challenged in any way, both by a student or by um, a parent, that I had that background and I had I knew that I had some sort of foundation of why I was teaching that, having that purpose, I guess, too, to make sure that I knew why I was teaching what I was teaching and what that purpose was in relation to the standards. And what's interesting to me is that there's such this great mistrust of history teachers right now, where like our subject used to be, oh, yeah, so boring. (laughs) Yeah, you're just going to use that on Jeopardy. I mean, I never found it boring, but nobody ever really bothered to see what was going on in our classrooms until we were politicized. That's exactly it. And in this like manufactured crisis, right? Like this idea that teachers are out to indoctrinate students. Um, I can tell you in my classroom, there's, I wish there was indoctrination sometimes. Like, can I indoctrinate my students to do their assignments? Is that something that we can get them to do? Like, will they actually turn in all of their work? that would be a great form of indoctrination. But no, this, I, the idea that there's indoctrination in history class is just so interesting to me because so much of what at least we do in our classroom is discussion-based and debate-based and having students look at these sources and, and come up with ideas on their own. And so the idea of indoctrination really just feels wild to me. How do you explain to parents that you are not teaching CRT? So I feel like I'm, I am so lucky in the parent department. I have some of the best parents ever. And I think that starts with just building relationships. And that's where being in elementary school, I, for six years, you get a lot of practice teaching elementary school, working with parents. Because when the babies are little... And I know because I have little ones right now too, so I probably am this, but the parents are very involved and active. And when you get to high school, it's a little bit harder. I don't hear as much from parents. And so having that background in elementary, I was able to transition that into high school and help develop those relationships with parents. And so the 
the relationship with those parents, building that early, I think has really helped me. Um, even recently, so I was on a live class with my um, high schoolers and I had a parent pop in and I was, I got super nervous in, in the climate today. When you have a parent pop into your live class, that feels, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you here? Um, but she was so kind and she was like, I just want you to know that I really enjoy listening to your class and um, that I am learning so much that I didn't know about history or that wasn't taught to me in history class. So I just wanted you to know that we appreciate that. So it is not all bad experiences, but I am terrified that they are coming. And that's a really sad thing to me that teachers would need to be afraid of the parents that are lurking about because some, some parents do lurk and that there's this great mistrust of what we're doing and that you have to, and I'm not saying that planning meticulously is a bad thing because I think every good teacher plans very meticulously and tries to make sure that every student is getting the most out of the lesson that we can make them get. But Absolutely. you having to plan not with thinking of the student, but in fear of saying the wrong thing or putting out a primary source that someone decides rubs them the wrong way and then your job is in jeopardy, that's really wrong. Absolutely. And it puts a whole lot of added stress on teachers that in that time we could be spending making better relationships with students. The nights that maybe I want to be going to football games to see students when I was working at our local high school or basketball games to make those relationships, I'm now spending at my house trying to make sure that I'm doubling up on my planning and I have all of my standards listed out ready to go for the next day, which again, before that, I did have my standards and I knew what I was teaching and I had those lined up, but having to to know the code of those standards by heart before I go into teaching. So just in case I get that email of what are you teaching or what are you doing? I have that already ready to go in my lesson plan. Now we're not necessarily teaching critical race theory, but do you think it's important that we teach about race in U.S. history classes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you cannot teach American history without teaching race. I think you mentioned that in the beginning that we cannot adequately teach the history of the United States without mentioning race. And whether you're talking about the transatlantic slave trade or the ways in which um, one of my favorite lessons that I do with my students, when I teach about slavery, I use primary sources, but um, I use a, a section from Harriet Jacobs incidents in the life of a slave girl and um, the passage of Frederick Douglass when he's um, talking about his mother, his relationship with his mother and how she only comes to visit him a couple of times in his life. And it's only in the middle of the night. And then I use this passage from Solomon North of 12 years of slave and having the students understand that even something like when we teach slavery, it was more than just the the work. It was the familiar relationships. It was society in general that was creating laws in which people could not 
operate in the same way. When we talk about Bacon's Rebellion and we teach Bacon's Rebellion and the slave or the, yeah, the slave codes that came after that, I can't teach that without mentioning race because the race was written into the law. And so I think it would be impossible to teach American history without at least having the conversation of race. Um, even more recently, my students were learning about the Nadir and then we kind of started to transition into teaching um, World War II and the rise of Hitler. And so I had found this amazing piece of propaganda from um, Germany in which Hitler or the Nazis had a map of the United States and talked about segregation on that map. And so I presented it to my students as a reflection as we were talking about the Nadir, what, you know, and just asking them questions. What do you notice? What do you wonder? And having them develop their own understanding of, yeah, this is both going on at the same time and then transitioning that into like things, something like the double V campaign in World War II, which is um, the African-American soldiers talking about um, fighting both racism at home and racism abroad. I can't imagine not marrying race and the U.S. history either, because when I when I really think about it, too, it has a lot to do with the students. Where do my students learn empathy if I don't teach about that? Where do my students learn that it still exists? So it's something that they need to fight against and they need to take action in a so in a social justice context. Where do my students who are students of color see black joy? If I don't teach about race, where do my Asian students see Asian joy? My Latinx students see Latinx joy. If I don't talk about race, I just can't see, I can't see us ignoring entire populations of students so that someone who isn't even in my classroom feels comfortable. Isn't that this, that is so it. And like, I, when I taught at a local high school, I had such a, a mix of students in my classroom. And so that's exactly it. Teaching the empathy, teaching the humanity or centering humanity and all of, all of history and all stories that we tell that every person is somebody's brother, sister, mother, you know, all of those things. But also, as you said, moving forward that I want them to see why or how, are, how did we get here? That is the purpose of teaching history, right? How did we get here? And so when they can't see themselves or they can't see um, the ways in which people have been denied rights throughout history, it makes the present look a lot more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And I never actually thought about it in that context where the present is complicated and totally mysterious because they have no idea what happened in the past. All of a sudden, is there this this switch that flipped that makes things like happened to like what happened to George Floyd happen? No, there was something that led up to that. Right. There's a long history of this. And let me let me show you this story. Let me let me teach you this story. Let me let you discover parts of this story. And I love that you mentioned Black Joy or having um, your Latinx students excited about things that have happened in history. I know um, I teach a, 
a large Hispanic population here in Central Florida, and they love learning about the Chicano student movement. And we do like a whole big lesson on that. And they love it because they can see themselves. Those are high school students who are um, Latinx, and they love just seeing that they learned so often about the civil rights movement and Black America, Americans and their fight for civil rights. But so often we forget about every other group of people that have also fought for civil rights in this country. And so when my Latinx students are able to see themselves in that movement, it really empowers them and it inspires them to want to learn more and do more. And what I wish for everyone, for you and for myself in New Jersey, where we have a CRT bill kind of floating around that we don't think is going to pass here, but one never knows. And for my our colleagues out in other states and all around us is that politics does not rob us of giving students the gift of joy and the gift of critical thinking and the gift of understanding and the gift of loving one another, because that's what I feel is being stolen from them if we aren't allowed to teach the whole story. That's exactly it. And one of the things that I do very early on in the school year is we create community contracts. And we and I, I spend the first couple of weeks just focused on community because so much of what we do in history is discussion and opinion and um and thinking out loud and processing really sometimes really tough information. And so when students can feel that community, when they can, when they can be seen by their peers and by myself as an important piece to the classroom community, it helps them to deepen their learning because they feel comfortable in that environment. And I, I want to speak out and speak up against what's happening because I don't want to rob my students of that. To me, that is the most important part of what we do in our classroom. It is a space, a safe space where they feel like they can think critically and learn empathy and learn understanding of really hard subjects, right? And they're being presented with all of this stuff, whether they're in our classroom or not. I mean, they have access to the internet and TikTok. So that at least in our classrooms, they have a space to process it with someone who maybe has some background knowledge on that information. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. The whole goal, audience, of this entire series of episodes is to get teachers from several walks of life, from different areas in the country, to try to tell us what they're feeling, how they think this is damaging, what we feel like we can do about it. And I think the message so far is to push on in the best way that we know how. And I hope that these episodes are helpful for you. So Kelsey, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and talking to us about your family and why you feel so very strongly about this. Um, If a audience member would like to get in touch with you outside of this podcast, what would be the best way for them to do that? So once my Twitter gets um, unlocked by the Twitter gods because it was hacked, uh, you can find me on Twitter at at OKKelso, O-K-A-Y Kelso, or you can find me on TikTok, same handle, and um, you can also message me on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you. 
Audience members, thank you so much for joining us again on the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name again is Cheryl Ann Amendola. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, there are a few ways you can do that. You can find me on Twitter at History Her Way, on Instagram at Teaching History Her Way, or you can find me on my website, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. If you know someone who would like to talk about CRT on an episode, please be sure to get in touch because like I said, I'm trying to build an entire library of teachers to tell us their stories and give us some inspiration. Thank you so very much for being with me tonight. I hope you'll come back next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.